Hey, everybody, and welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host. I am also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated to getting everyone in 2022 to realizing their true career potential. You know, oftentimes in life, we're given situations to deal with that kind of knock us off our game. The last month, we've been focusing our discussions around why people aren't taking action towards their next best career opportunity. And we're assuming a lot. We're attributing a lot of these things to things they can essentially control. Low energy, morale, confidence, imposter syndrome, all of those things. But what about when life happens? And just when you've made your plans, the world gets irrevocably shaken. And through the pandemic, I think we'd be pretty remiss to not realize that with some of the political tensions, racial tensions, the recent violent tragedies of the world, too many people may have been affected adversely by these things, and it may affect them in their day-to-day life. And a lot of our day-to-day life is spent in our career. So sometimes people who are affected personally by these types of tragedies and traumas will want to keep things relatively calm, relatively status quo, and relatively constant, just exist without controversy. And my guest today knows that place all too well. Blessed with four sons, triplets, triplet boys, and a fourth handsome lad, Loris Duffy had a BA in psychology. She had a loving family, beautiful home, a new puppy. And from a young age, Loris had been told, counsel, support people, encourage people. It's your forte. Little did she know what that future would present and how it would present. In 2014, the midst of the wonderful family life I described, her loving husband was diagnosed with ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And despite her positivity and support and all of the faith in the world, on April 18th of 2018, Laura's lost her husband, Kevin, to ALS. And from there, Laura's went through those stages of grieving and wanting solace and wanting peace and not knowing what the future holds. Fast forward to four years later, though, she is the proprietor of a powerful developmental coaching business for women called A Mindful Journey, where she supports her clients through inspiration and a renewed sense of passion through trauma, through just experience, through just trying to control what you can. I'm pleased to bring Loris to 52 Weeks of Empowerment, and I know you're going to get a lot from this conversation. Loris, welcome. Thank you so much, Andrea. I'm so excited to be here and would like to thank you for having me. The topic we're going to talk about today is one that Loris and I could go on and on. We usually do when we talk. It is about there should be no limit to career aspirations. And yes, people get knocked off their game for reasons that are largely self-imposed. But in times of great tragedy, trauma, experiential anxiety, we tell ourselves 
Just be happy with the status quo. No need to take ourselves outside the comfort zone. Why dream big? Things happen. We can't control them. There's this sense of futility. And my favorite quote of yours is, you can let the event define you. You can let it destroy you. Or you can let it strengthen you. You went through a tremendously impactful time in your life to get to this calling. It was, in fact, traumatic. Yes. Please share with our listeners your journey because it's so inspirational. Thank you so much. And exactly what you said. My husband was uh, diagnosed in 2000. Uh, it was actually 2015, May of 2015. He was diagnosed with ALS. We were at a neurologist specialist appointment. I thought and he thought we got all the scary stuff out of the way. And we were told that this doctor believed he had the beginning stages of ALS, shared with us what that meant, and told us that he would probably have about three to five years to live. I thought we were going out to lunch after this appointment. It was horrifying. Um, and we were devastated. We were completely devastated. And um, I would say after weeks of strength and support from family and friends, we found out about Lyme disease, which the symptoms overlap. Uh, we saw a Lyme specialist who shared with us that he believed Kevin was misdiagnosed and had Lyme disease. During that time, I found out about life coaching. And before this all happened, I had this time in my life where I felt like I wasn't fulfilled. And I had four kids, three of whom were here. We had great infertility struggles. So I have three healthy sons and then a fourth who I call my bonus. <laughs> he was natural. And I had a small business that I ran from home so I could be there for the kids. I had a husband that adored me that I adored. And we had this beautiful life great family, great friends. And I said to my girlfriend one day, with all of that, don't you think I should be skipping around the house because I'm not? And what I realized was that I wanted more and I ignored the nudge. I ignored the nudge because I felt selfish and I felt like I wasn't practicing gratitude. I actually felt shameful. So fast forward, when my husband was diagnosed with this, with this illness and it was debilitating, then we thought that we had some hope. We thought it was Lyme disease. I ran so fast towards my dream of listening to that nudge, of fulfilling that need for more. And because I believe we are either pushed by pain or pulled by pleasure. And in this case, I was pushed by pain. I got a glimpse of what a shaken life looks like of, of, of what a shaken reality, you know, really feels like. And I ran towards my dreams at a time that was really not the best of times. I had four young teenage sons. I had a, a husband who was still sick and who was struggling with, is it really Lyme disease or is it ALS, right? There was still those moments of just anguish, because let me just share with you, there is no test for ALS and Lyme disease tests are very unreliable. So we were just really leaning into the Lyme disease because that's where hope lived, but there was still that worry. So I decided to go for it and go after my dream and I became a life coach and Kevin cheered me on the entire way. And it was after 
probably two years of IV antibiotic therapies, treatments. I think we've spent over $50,000 trying to get him well. He began to decline. And it was at that moment that I had to ask myself if we were searching for answers or running from the truth and brought him to Columbia Presbyterian where an ALS specialist saw him there. And I'll never forget his words. You may or may not have Lyme disease. I don't know. What I know for sure is that you have ALS. It was at that moment, Andrea, that I dropped control, that I, denial is a heavy weight. And I accepted that my husband had ALS and that we were going to lose him. And I didn't have control over whether or not I was going to lose my husband and my children were going to lose their father. But what I realized, because when we brought them all into a room and shared, no one said a word except for one child said, mom, are you okay? And it struck me as odd because I thought, why are they asking me? Their father who's sitting right next to me is the one who's going to die. And I thought a lot about that question while I really grasped onto accepting what was and realizing that I had no control over this part of my life and what was going to happen. And what I realized was they accepted that their dad was going to die at that point. They recognized his decline. What they wanted to be sure of was that they weren't going to lose their mom too. The mom that they knew the mom who got up in the morning and made them lunch, the mom who smiled, the mom who cheered them on, the mom who had a really positive outlook on life. And that's when I regained my power. That's when I recognized I didn't have control over Kevin dying, but I had the ability to lead my family and to give my kids the security that they needed while going through something that they'd never even nearly experienced, anything even remotely like this uh, in their lives. And that's when I realized that our circumstances don't create our destiny, our choices do. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point that I was going to, to choose. Now, this doesn't mean not going through grief, not feeling my feelings, not sharing my sadness, and, and giving them permission to be sad as well. All of that was a very necessary part of the process, but I knew that they needed me to be available. They needed me to share in my feelings and be there for their feelings and still assure them that we were gonna be a family unit and that we were going to be okay. That is such a powerful, story. It has this amazing visceral effect on me because I've known a great many people who've, first of all, I'm sorry, dreadfully for Kevin's loss. It's just something that we don't expect as early on in a marriage as you experienced. I think we all secretly want to go first, (laughs) asleep in our bed, elderly, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. The preparation of having any semblance of control over a situation like that and to render it, I don't have 
control of this, but there's so many other things I can control. And shifting your mindset is such a powerful thing to hear because even people who don't have these gravely tragic situations in their life, putting into perspective that everybody's lens and perspective of tragedy or, or trauma is deeply personal. So I don't want to minimize anybody else's experiences, but it's so much easier said than done to say, hey, snap out of it. You've got bills to pay. You've got responsibilities. What your son said to you had that visceral effect. And every time I hear it, I have the same effect that if my son said that to me, that would be the litmus. But a lot of people don't have a son to do that, but they can get a coach oh, yeah. like you <laughs> do that. So how this became your passion is not surprising. But how did you sort of shift it towards other people who have a myriad of different scopes of tragedy and trust issues and trauma and this deservingness of succession? And how did that manifest? So a coaching principle that I lived by was each moment describes who you are and gives you the opportunity to decide if that's who you want to be. And I lived by that principle. And every time I wanted to be a victim and I wanted to be angry, if you decide that's what you want to be, no judgment, be it, but be it with an awareness of that's what you're doing. And if you choose it, terrific, but I wasn't going to allow it to take over me. And I really thought about that often, who I wanted to be, who I wanted to be for my children, who I wanted to be for my husband who was dying and who I wanted to be for me and even who I wanted to be for my future self. Who did I need to be even for her? What did she need my future me? And for women that are going through all different kinds of things, that's what, that's where I start. You know, we, we need to start with feeling our feelings. I truly believe we need to feel it to heal it. The only way out is through. So there's no bypass. We're not just shopping our way through it or drinking our way through it, eating our way through it or working our way through it. We're feeling it, we're being with it and we're allowing it. And that is the very first part of that. And after we feel that we've unloaded what's heavy, that we've felt our feelings, that we've been with our feelings because sadness doesn't get to move in. <laughs> we invite it in and we sit with it, right? But it's not moving in forever. It doesn't get to drop its bags, you know? It, there's a time that we're gonna say, okay, it's time for you to leave for now. And then we ask ourselves, who do we wanna be? I knew when my life was amazing, I was a great mom and a great sister and a great wife and a great friend and a great daughter. And I would often ask myself and tell myself or remind myself, that was easy. Who are you going to be now? Who are you going to be when life is at rock bottom? Who do you choose to be? I would give that a lot of thought and I would do it with consciousness. I would do it by choice because if I just gave in and unconsciously be in reaction to what was happening to me, I would have been on the floor. I wouldn't have gotten out of my pajamas. I, I would have been completely in victim mode, anger mode, and sadness. Really made the conscious choice to be with those feelings, but then 
decide it was time for them to, to leave and then to choose again. And that's how I help other women that are going through different things in their life. We, we feel the feelings, we unload what's heavy, and then we find them again and we choose. It's all about choice and really choosing who you want to be. I fully agree with you. I feel as though for the men that are listening, and I hope you haven't turned it off because it isn't all about women, but I, <laughs> I think it is very, very much a learned behavior. Society, especially with men, are like, you've got to be the strong one and you've got to be the one that has the consistent job and it's better to just stay status quo. Don't rock the boat. But I also want to go back to what you're saying. So think it's a semblance of normalcy. When tragedy happens, you lose your identity. So keeping where you are, where you know there's a constancy, it's the job, I know how to do it. I do it well. This is who I am. It's sort of that identity solidification really grounds us at a time when we could really, to your point, just curl up in the fetal position. And it's not a bad thing, but it's, it's one that I find people may linger long in. So what are some of the ways you can get people out of that sort of place when the time comes? I think by getting them excited about the life that they're creating. I think recognizing that this event doesn't define us, our choices define us. And every day in every way we have the power to choose. That will never be taken away. We always get, we always have the power to choose. So I think it's really identifying what do we want in our life and recognizing that there are no limitations, that the only limitations are the ones that we create in our own minds. The ones that we, you know, that the, the, the only way we're limited is, is how we limit ourselves and what we believe to be possible. So I love to get excited. You know, I had a cleaning business or a commercial and residential cleaning business when I was going through my life coaching training. And then when Kevin passed away, I kept that as sort of a buffer and COVID hit and I lost three huge accounts. And my kids said, oh my gosh, mom, what are we going to do? And I said, we are going to trust that that is happening for us, not to us. I believe that I am a very good coach and that this happened to release me from relying on it and to learn and know that I am a really good coach and to trust that. And do you know that that week I got three new clients? Three new clients. I had never gotten that many clients in one week in the beginning of my, of, of, of practicing coaching. And so I think when we really believe and we're in the energy of what's possible, I think that so many things are. I know there's a lot of people that are probably tuning into this and they see the title and they're saying to themselves, dream big. There's so many things that I can't control in the situation. Choice is one of them that you can. And even when you fall short of goal in life, there's something to be learned from it. There's something to be learned from it. So it's okay to try. What is holding us back? When you start talking to people, 
you said it just there and, and you're right. It's us that's holding us back, but what specifically is it fear of failure? I know it's different for everybody, but what are you finding are the resonant tones when those situations come up? Yeah. I think a lot of what holds people back is the fear of, un, of the unknown. You know, it's interesting because I had a lot of fear, a lot of fear. Um, and when Kevin passed away, I asked friends and family to invite me to do something that really scared me because I knew I had to get, I had to get on the other side of that fear. I had to be in the discomfort in order to grow as a person. And I didn't have my husband, my partner to rely on anymore. So I really, it was really important to me, embrace the discomfort. Our brains want to keep us safe. I think our, you know, our brains are like 40,000 years old and back then they, and they haven't really changed. So back then they were just here to keep us surviving. They didn't really care if we were happy. They, our brains just wanted us to survive when we don't know what's going to happen. When something feels uncertain, it feels unsafe. We would just say, oh gosh, I don't like the way that I feel really anxious right now. I like to change the word anxious to excited. I feel like it's just a better feeling. And it's sort of the same thing, right? It's the butterflies. It's the, unless you have a severe anxiety, you know, issue, that's a, a whole nother story. But Glennon Doyle actually calls it skited. It's like scared and excited. Mm-hmm. For myself, what I've realized is that when I feel, I used to feel scared and think, I'm just going to say no to that. And the anxiety is going to go away like that. Whew. I dodged that, don't have to feel that anxiety for days to come until the event, you know, happens. And what I realized is that, or what I've done is locked into the feeling, really sat with it after doing something that made me uncomfortable, after doing something that caused me some fear, the amazing feeling of what it feels like after. And I really locked into that feeling. So what I do now is when something comes up that scares me a little bit, because when we do things that scare us, when we live outside our comfort zone, we're growing, we're expanding, we're learning. There's so much amazing in it. So now I really go to that place, go to that feeling of what it's going to feel like after I've done it. And it just creates such a wonderful feeling within me. It sort of removes that anxiety. And it's a reminder of how proud I'm going to be of myself and how much growth I'm going to gain from doing the thing. So I just replace it with that feeling that I've I've locked into. And I think it's really super helpful because I had a coach once that said to me, Larise, I want you to start being uncomfortable, being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's the journey. That's why we're here. Our souls are here to expand and to grow. And I think it's very common to just want to stay in that status quo, to just want to stay in our comfort zone, to just stay in our lane. But we have to think a little bit bigger. We have to try to recognize that our brain wants to keep us safe and recognize that this is uncomfortable and just do it anyway and really feel and embrace the feeling that it gives you and be with it really be with that feeling after you've done whatever it is that scares you a little bit or makes you uncomfortable yeah when you think of childbirth you think of push on the contraction 
that's one of those moments where you're like, are you kidding me? (laughs) No, I'm in horrible pain, but it feels better. I can think of several coach clients, male and female that I've had that have had traumatic situations, death, layoffs, uh, amputation, diabetic amputation, near-death experiences, many, many people who have had a gamut of experiences that run the spectrum of trauma. And I think about what you just said earlier about dreaming big and visualizing the future self. What types of questions do you encourage clients to ask themselves to get beyond the trauma and visualize themselves future tense based on what they want, the choices they can make? First of all, I think that we have to really take a survey of our beliefs because thoughts are just beliefs that we kept on thinking. And then we identify them as fact. They're true. Yep. And I think that we need to do sort of a yearly spring cleaning, just the way you go into your closet and you say, hmm, this shirt doesn't really fit me anymore. It doesn't really look good on me. Mm, this shirt doesn't really, you know, the color's not working. This shirt is not really in style anymore. Um, I'm going to put it in this, you know, big trash bag and I'm going to send it off and, and, and get it out of here. I'm going to remove it. I think we need to do that same, that very same thing with our beliefs. I think we really need to go through our mind and think what beliefs are serving us and what beliefs are not serving us any longer. What beliefs support the life that we are trying to create? And I think we need to remove the ones that don't put them in a trash bag and send them out and really adopt the ones that support the life that we're trying to recreate. Uh, create, support the the future selves that we see, um, and really embrace what is going to get us there. That's an important question to ask. It's kind of like Marie Kondo. Does this belief bring you joy? Hold it in your hand. If it brings us joy, you keep it. If it doesn't, send it on its merry way. I love that. Oh, I like that. That's hugely, hugely profound because most people, the beliefs are their beliefs came from a family that, you know, would die in the world, New Englanders. This is the way we vote. This is the way we live. This is the way we eat. This is the way we are. And you don't talk about sex. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. Mm-hmm. And now we're surrounded by social media and mainstream media. And that's all they talk about. I don't know that my mother would have liked this existence. How do you help people with staying accountable to this dream big and truly getting rid of the things that aren't serving them? How do you, how do you work on that? I mean, I think accountability is all about Well, let's talk first what it's not about. It's not about judgment. It's not about blame. It's not about impatience, right? What it is about, I like to use what's not happening as an opportunity to reveal why, why they can't get to where they're getting to. Because I think so often we're just, you know, moving along. We have, the answers are within, right? Mm -hmm. All the answers are within. But I think what happens is we have to dig deeper. So I think when someone can't be accountable, if we can get, if we can dig a little deeper and understand why, 
That's so much information and so helpful. And I will share with you that our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings produce an action or an inaction, which in the end create a result. So a lot of times what I'll talk to my clients about are, what are your thoughts? If you're trying to lose weight and your thought is, this is impossible. I just lose, I, I, I never can lose weight. I, I've tried 20,000 diets. I've read every book. I don't lose weight. Well, then you're, you, you have a feeling of, this is impossible. Just a feeling of, this is never going to work. You're not going to want to go to the gym if you're feeling like this is impossible. But if you change that thought to maybe trying something brand new, maybe talking to your doctor and seeing what's possible and what might be the best weight loss system for you. And then you read about it and you research about it and you start to get excited and you start to feel inspired and you start to feel empowered. That's going to create an action of going to the gym or, you know, maybe saying no to, to something unhealthy. And then we we're going to get results. The other way is a feeling of not feeling empowered, not feeling inspired, feeling very frustrated and feeling like you have no control or no choice. And that leads to an action of like, not even bother. And let's just go do something that feels really good right now. And for me, that would be an ice cream sundae. <laughs> 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 so, so, and then what happens? Our results are we're gaining weight or we're just staying the same. And that's frustrating, but it all starts with our thoughts. And that's where we really have to start getting an understanding and start changing those thoughts and really getting an awareness. And that's the key, an awareness as to what are those thoughts that you're thinking and does this thought deserve my attention? Because some, you know, we have so many thoughts running through and so many of them are negative and so many of them are repetitive. Mm -hmm. We're not stuck with them. We can ask, is this thought useful? Is this thought helpful? And we start changing the way that we think by practicing it. Nobody goes into the gym and starts lifting a hundred pounds. We start with five pounds. We move to 10 pounds. We move. So just small steps create big leaps. We just start. We start thinking a new way, believing new beliefs, creating awareness, and really making change by living out of intention, not habit. And I think that's the biggest thing. If we start living out of intention and stop living out of habit, amazing things are available. Yeah. A previous episode, we talked about attention versus commitment and mm -hmm why we get into these awful habits. I also want to recognize there's so much great stuff in what you just said. And I want to circle back to a couple of different points. I recently had the pleasure of, of welcoming a new client to my practice and coaching. And I like to get to know them a little bit. Tell me a little bit about yourself, that sort of thing. One fun fact, one fun fact ended up that she had won a multi-million dollar lottery. Immediately, she said, you're awfully quiet. I bet you wish you would charge me more. And I said, <laughs> no, I'm just, I have a question. I'm wondering what your mindset was in when you played the numbers you played. And it fascinated me what she said, because it's exactly what you just said. She said, I never play it unless the numbers are high. The only thing I can tell you is the day that I played, I never once thought to myself, I'm not going to win. 
I'm never going to win. No one ever wins this. Who wins this? It's not going to be me. She said every other time that I'd done it, that was the first thing that came into my head, but I was too busy that day to even think about it. It was a quick pick. She got it and she won. And she said attitude was what brought me money when I really needed it. And there's a whole story there that I won't go into. It's amazing once you break free of habits that have held you in a certain place and position that aren't serving you anymore. And you do make that choice. And the choice is to change the thought pattern from negative to positive. That shift makes a tremendous difference. Isn't easy when you're in the throes of tragedy and trauma, but it is absolutely doable. And it's so important. Yeah. I can think of a friend of mine who, you know, even when you looked at her life, you said, oh, she's been dealt some really a rough hand. You know, she, she tries her hardest. She works so hard. She dreams big. She tries and it doesn't always succeed. And she hired a coach. It wasn't me. It was too close for comfort. We're very tight friends. And I got her in touch with the coach. And she said to me, um, you will never believe the breakthrough that I had. And I said, well, I would because I fully believe in coaching. She came back with this realization that, yeah, she does do all the right things. And yes, she dreams big. It, it's not about making bad choices or not learning from the experiences. So she wasn't living her authentic self. The things that she was saying she wanted to do and expected to have were possible, but something somewhere in the universe was holding her back from them. And she wasn't getting that message. It wasn't meant to be because it wasn't good for her. The second she let that go, promotion, more money, happiness, best boyfriend she's ever had, somebody who actually took over and stepped in as a father figure for her child. Now she manages a team. She's well-liked. She's getting great results in her business. I couldn't be prouder of her. It was the realization that being your authentic self, just like you said, was the key to her happiness. Absolutely. I think so often we look outside of ourselves for happiness and we forget that it's all about within. When we create a beautiful internal home, our external world transforms. And so often with my clients, they feel like they're doing the right things. They're doing what the books say they're doing, you know, but we have to start with the piece of how worthy do you feel? Mm. How worthy are you feeling worthy of it? Because that's where it starts. We can't build a house on sand. We have to have a strong foundation of worth and self-love and our inner dialogue, how we're talking to ourselves. And then we grow from there. Our, the relationship that we're having with ourselves sets the standard for all other relationships in our life and all the things that we call into our life. So it's really important that we start there. So many people want to start with the external things and think, well, if I get this new house, I'm going to feel so excited. Or if I get this new car, I'm going to feel so successful. No, it's about how you feel within. And that's where we need to start. We need to really build that up. And then we can move on to the next step. But so many people are just sort of bypassing that step and not recognizing that if you don't have an internal sense of worthiness, a lot of things are not going to be created that you want to have in your life. So we need to start there. Powerful stuff. How can people 
benefit from working with you and I bring kindness and safety and also the example of what's possible mm -hmm. because I have four kids. I've lost my husband. My husband was their football, baseball, and basketball. We've hit rock bottom <laughs> and we've, we've built ourselves up and, and we do it with, with intention and it's not perfect. And sometimes it's messy and that's okay. And working with me is about unloading what's heavy. It's about removing that emotional backpack that you're waking up every morning and strapping on your shoulders and coming home and saying, why am I so tired? We have to remove the heaviness of what you're carrying and really understand what it is and release it. And then we find you again, just like we were talking about the authentic you, not the you that people want you to be or think you should be or need you to be, the real you. And we get in alignment and you step into a vision for yourself that you're excited about and that you deserve. And we've dealt with the worthiness piece. So you truly feel like you deserve it. And that's when we, when we deserve it, we're attracting it back into our life. Like energy attracts like energy, right? So we start then creating the life that lights you up that really you feel like you're excited about, but we can't do that until we do, until we do the work. And then the magic happens. And just like you said, with your friend, really aligning with our authentic self, how that brought it in so much. And I'm a big believer in creating space, clutter, mental clutter, physical clutter, and really creating space to bring in new things into our life things that are exciting, things that we really are passionate about, we start believing and we start doing the work and we start rethinking our beliefs. It is just the ingredients for, for a truly wonderful, wonderful life and gratitude. Of course, gratitude is part of it because I truly believe that whatever we're looking for, we will find. So if we're looking for things to be thankful for, we're gonna find more things to be thankful for. Again, it's a choice. It is a choice. And I'm glad you chose to join us today. This has been so uplifting, I'm sure, to so many people that are really stuck in tragedy, trauma, or just putting themselves in a place of don't deserve. So let's choose to be kind to ourselves first. I want to thank Laura Stuffy for joining us today. Her company is a mindful journey. She is living proof that you can bounce back in a big way and help others in the process. That's all the time we have this week. I hope it's been uplifting. I know it has been for me. We will connect with you next week. Same time, same place, even more power. <laughs>